Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Everyone, Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Wednesday, December 27th, 2023. We're between Christmas and New Year's. Ray McGovern joins us now. Ray, a pleasure, my dear friend. Thank you for joining us. What um, what role, if any, does the CIA play in the slaughter by the IDF in Gaza? The CIA has all kinds of technical information to share with the Israelis. The Israelis are treated a lot better than than the other five, the five eyes, if you will, uh, because they're a close ally, in quotes. Uh, the CIA will do whatever Jake Sullivan tells them to do, speaking on behalf of the president. That's the way this is all set up. So you can be sure that not only are those 200 or 2,000 pound bombs being used with the approval of, of the Pentagon, the, the intelligence such as it is uh, that the Israelis need, uh, they've got their own, of course, is provided by our intelligence agencies, including the CIA and DIA. You uh, used a phrase, um, I just want you to uh, explain it uh, to our viewers, the five eyes, that's E-Y-E-S, correct? Right. Mm-hmm. And what does yeah. it mean? Who who, or what are the five eyes? Uh, well, they're all white and they're all English speaking. <laughs> it's a relic of World War II. We got together real closely with the UK, with Canada, and with Australia, and with New Zealand. And out of that cooperation came a a technical cooperation where we share almost everything, almost, uh, of a technical intercept nature or some some kind of ELINT or SIGINT or or whatever, electronic or signals intelligence, with these other four people, and they do the same for us. Now, uh, the Germans have been trying to get into this exclusive cub forever. They've not been allowed in. Uh, The Israelis, they don't have to get in. They get the same treatment. So... Israelis are in receipt of our very best intelligence because Biden told Jake Sullivan to tell Bill Burns, do it. And as Bill Burns, a new cog in the wheel, as he did on sabotaging Nord Stream, he turned to his folks and says, can you do it? Do it. Does the CIA have uh, boots on the ground physically assisting in the slaughter? 
uh, in Gaza? Are are there American CIA either contractors or uh, officers, agents? Correct my terminology. Physically present in Gaza. I would say almost certainly no, and that is partly because the Israelis wouldn't want them there. This is an Israeli game. They're going to do these things by themselves. They don't want anybody second-guessing them or reporting back to Washington this or that carnage. So I, I doubt whether there are any CIA or other officers, or agents in, in Gaza or anywhere near Gaza at this point help, helping the Israelis reason I'm asking is because um, two days ago, the uh, IDF murdered a woman uh, holding her baby in a Roman Catholic church in Gaza. And I'm wondering what the CIA, what a CIA person, agent or contractor would have done if they would have been in a position to stop that, report it, do something. It's hard to to be indifferent over a slaughter like that. It is. And of course, that was a sniper uh, right between the eyes, okay? Proudly killing these people. So, you know, you don't need the CIA to do that kind of thing. The Israelis have been doing that forever. And I have one fairly good friend in the village of Nabi Saleh in the West Bank who had a rifle shot from a sniper right through the top of his head killing him instantly. Was he engaged in the violence? Uh, no, uh, he was he was demonstrating uh, before a uh, a spring that had been confiscated by the, the settlers. Actually, a delegation from Veterans for Peace was there later at the same spring and we were attacked by the same settlers. And as we escaped, Climbing up the hill back to the little village, I heard shots that I hadn't heard before. Since 30, 40 years, those were rifle shots. I said to my my younger comrades, Matt Ho and Mike, I said, look, does that sound like that's rifle? Yeah, get down, McGovern, for God's sake, get down. So that was the same kind of rifle shot that did this person. And he was the uncle of most of the people in this house that we were staying at. Can the uh, Israelis succeed in wiping out Hamas? You know, Judge, it boggles the mind, doesn't it? I mean, it's not Hamas. It's the Palestinians. Mm. 2.3 million of them. Now, there are lots of Hamas interspersed there, but Israelis can't tell the difference. What they want to get rid of is all 2.3 million and i can't i can't it's incredible but you know what they'd like to do is push them out they've said as much push them out into egypt into the sinai uh to be welcomed by western powers who might give them succor and might give them asylum or or give them a new place to live they want them out of there they want no palestinians in gaza and you don't have to blame me for that Check with Netanyahu and his lieutenants. That's what they're saying. And they're saying, this is not going to happen this month. It's going to take several months. So is the U.S. going to do the right thing on this? Are we going to cut ties with this genocide or not? Uh, That bothers me greatly, as you know. But that's the question here, because they can't do it without us. Might uh, there be American agents that are undercover on the ground in Gaza? 
There could be, but I doubt it. We don't need them. The Israelis are, are showing us pretty much everything. Everybody's got an iPhone now. Um, what we would hopefully have are some undisclosed agents in Jerusalem or Tel Aviv with, with good ties to decision makers. Uh, that, too, is a challenge because we never want to get the Israelis upset with us. So there were restrictions on, on recruiting people like that. But, you know, it's not necessary to have that. We know what the game is, and we should stop it, and we should stop it sooner rather than later. You know, before the Egyptians are browbeaten into taking, well, just take a, just take a half million of them, and maybe somebody else will take the other two who's million the, or whatever, you know. Who's the principal American uh, negotiator or communicator with the Netanyahu government. Is it Bill Burns, the director of the CIA, or is it Amos Hochstein, the Israeli-born former member of the uh, IDF, now an American citizen uh, and high-ranking in the U.S. State Department? He's a contributor to the intelligence, such as it is, but it's really Blinken, Secretary of State, and Jacob Sullivan, uh, who who are running this this thing now, when Netanyahu allowed one of his retinue, one of the five decision makers, it's his name, Dermer. He was here yesterday. Okay, and he talked to Sullivan, and then he talked to Blinken. I think he may have talked to the president. What came out of it? Zippo, that I can see. Uh, the Israelis at the on the same day indicated no. We're in this for the duration. It's going to take many months. Don't even think about us uh, creating a, a ceasefire or a pause. Such is, as is there any the realistic expectation that Joe Biden would either, for political or moral reasons, pick up the phone and say, "BB, stop it, or you're not going to get spare parts. You're not going to get two thousand pound bombs. You're not going to get anything." You know, I hate to say this, Judge, but uh, I don't think moral. Uh, values enter into this. I think oh. that's all rhetoric. Now, political? Did, uh, you know, Ray, am I naive? These people are human beings. The president claims to be a Roman Catholic. He must understand the natural law. He must respect the right to live. President no. Biden, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I have this thing here. You get a fancy Jesuit to officiate at the inauguration, and then they slink back into their monasteries or the seminary. They don't say word one about the moral issues here. They should be speaking out and say, Joe, this is wrong. Stop it. And he could stop it, but they don't. It's the same as in World War II, where the church could not find its voice, whether it was the Catholics or the Lutherans. They could not find their voice, and they allowed this thing to continue. It's, it's abominable, in my view. Okay. Uh, switching gears to uh, Ukraine, because a friend of ours, I won't mention his name until we get uh, to the end of this segment. <laughs> gave, I've been forewarned. <laughs> right, right. Gave an interview to The Sun, which is an Australian newspaper owned by my former uh, boss, Rupert Murdoch, for whom I have a lot of uh, regard. He employed me for 24 years. Uh, and this uh, person that we know, a, a former veteran, high-ranking veteran of the CIA said 
That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Uh, the Russian president will be overthrown in a black swan palace coup. Now, I can't imagine that you have spoken to this person, but do you have any idea what he's talking about? A black swan palace coup he's making it all up judge um it wouldn't be so bad if he was just making it all up but this is mischievous okay this gives people who want to hang in there in ukraine uh some reason to believe oh it's going to be all right because putin's on his way out he's going to have a back (laughs) black swan uh wafting over him and all of a sudden he'll be gone because he has great health problems did you know now, anyone who looks at Putin giving these addresses or watches him uh, preside over decisions on Ukraine, and he just did two days ago, will, will know that that's just a bunch of hooey. Now, what you have here is a long-standing chief of the clandestine operation part of the CIA. They don't care much about the truth. They're just propounding these these uh, these rhetoric things to, to make sure that, the, well, if they're in business, they, the, you know, the, their business will continue to collect on these things. I don't say Jack is doing this for for pecuniary reasons, but you know he's not really connected with the real with the real situation. It's sad to see because if it were laughable only, then I'd laugh. But it's mischievous because it gives people the idea that oh maybe the, oh he worked for the CIA for thirty years. Well, oh maybe he knows something we don't. What, is, what is anything? We don't what know. does the phrase "black swan" mean in intelligence? Well, it, it goes back to medieval. To, well, actually, back to uh, to the times of Homer, and uh, it, a black swan was something that was impossible because there weren't any. Okay, <laughs> something that was impossible. So, if something arrived that was it, it just was possible, now black swans were discovered in Australia. <laughs> okay, and then it became. <laughs> Yeah, really, really, a couple of centuries ago. So that became sort of possible. And then people said, well, a black swan would be something that looked impossible, but but it wasn't impossible, and we should have known it all along. All <laughs> so right. that's what these expressions come to mean today, in my understanding. And, you know, you don't have to explain it if you're Jack Devine and have several decades of clandestine experience. You know, this points up the, the fact that you know, it's the clandestine people who are running the show here. It, it has to be people like Jack that's been telling uh, Bill Burns, oh, the Russians, well, he says it in this article, the Russians are really taking it on the chin. They're really losing. Hello, no responsible analyst, even if he was lying, could make a, a decent case that the Quote. Russians are losing Quote. in Ukraine. 
quote. And now, the, the piece that I have is from the New York Post, which is an article about the article <laughs> in The Sun. Uh, but it does quote our friend, quote, Putin could disappear tomorrow, and I wouldn't be surprised if some element in the government had decided they were going to take some executive action. Is there any known evidence to support that claim? No, there's no evidence to support that claim at all. Um, when you mentioned that this started in Australia, uh, this is uh, this is a textbook case. So you could sit on the Australia paper, and then you tell the New York Post, "Oh, hey, look at this story." And the New York Post, because of its own interest, publishes it. In other words, you're not supposed to do propaganda in this country, and that's what Jack is doing. You do it outside the country. It comes back, and oh, wow, the Post is picked up. Nobody looks at where it came from, Australia. It's a big story. And, you know, the Post is not very reliable on these things. Quote, Putin has become increasingly unpredictable and dangerous. Is there any evidence to support No that? evidence at all. As a matter of fact, he's become very predictable. Uh, as you know, Judge, a lot of us were wondering whether he's going to go all the way to the Dnieper River, seize right. even more than those provinces. And it was an open question. Now he's made it a closed question. He's going to attrit and attrit and attrit some more. He's in no big hurry, even though he himself acknowledged that his military people said, why don't you go ahead? Why don't you go home? Go ahead, uh, Vladimir. He's going to go slowly. Uh, even Odessa, which he made a big point of saying is a Russian city. Everybody knows that. We know that. Even that, in my view, is up for negotiation because I don't think Putin wants a real hostile uh, a real hostile nation just to the other side of the uh, of the Dnieper River. Uh, I think he wants to have a, a Ukraine that's reasonably uh, doesn't have this revanchist sort of thing and has an outlet to the sea. Okay, because right. without Odessa, it's a landlocked farm for the rest of Europe. That's what Ukraine becomes. So, even though he mentioned Odessa, he's done that before as a signal. I think that, look, we could talk about this sort of thing. And, you know, we could talk about Odessa as well. I don't think he has any strict plan to take Odessa. It will take uh, several months before that comes into play. One or two more questions about uh, the comments in this article in The Sun, and then I want to talk big picture with you. The Russian president is continuing to throw his troops into a meat grinder. You know, according to uh, McGregor and Ritter and Larry uh, Johnson, it's the other way around. It's the Ukrainians that have been in the meat grinder. Uh, and our friend believes the tyrant's po the tyrant, the tyrant's popularity will continue to drop as the war goes on. The last poll had him between 82 and 86 percent. Well, it could drop to 80. <laughs> <laughs> You know, meat grinder. Well, Jack has heard that meat grinder. Oh, doesn't matter which side it applies to. Let's use it. I mean, this is in the area of public propaganda, sort of uh, trying to blend in with the indigenous neocons in our in our government. And you know, Jack is he runs his own consulting thing. I wouldn't rule out the fact that he gets a lot of business from from people who would like to see a continuation of this war. 
So, yeah, it's kind of difficult to say that, but a lot of guys do this kind of thing. Jack is a smart guy, but he's smart on clandestine things that have nothing to do with analysis or evidence. Do <laughs> you think reveal- that the American uh, neocon leadership has recognized that their uh, project in Ukraine has been a dismal failure? And might this kind of a statement from our friend have been intended to divert attention from that failure to their perception of Putin as a monster? I think that could be part of it. Uh, In answer to the first part of your question, I think they have to understand that they have lost, that the troops that are being decimated are the Ukrainians, that there's great dissension in the Ukrainian government as to whether they should try to to raise 500,000 other troops or whether they should do something different. But there's an election coming up, Judge. That means everything in Washington. What's the best thing to protect us from being seen to have lost this war in Ukraine? Uh, Well, we'll do whatever that takes. Now, as I mentioned before, it's worth mentioning again. There's going to be some idiot in the Pentagon or in the White House who said, look, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. President, the only way we can show Russia that we need business is to use one of these little mini nukes. Now, they're only about the tenth of the size of what we did in Hiroshima. So let's do that, and then they'll stop, and then we'll, we won't absolutely lose the election, and then we can deal with the rest of it. I fear that that's, that's, that's likely to happen and likely. You know, just my saying it uh, puts uh, bristles up the back of my neck, but that's the only solution they have to prevent losing next year during the election. Don't they foresee what that would start? I don't know. You have these admirals and these generals saying, you know, it's it's in our it's an arrow in our quiver. Uh, oh, we can use it. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean things will escalate out of out of control. I mean, you have to get into the mind of these military leaders who have been trained that we have to use this on occasion, and we may have to use it. And they don't look at things in a dispassionate way. And I dare say with the politics involved, Jacob Sullivan and Tony Blinken have a lot to protect. They have a huge personal stake in not losing this election and not being susceptible to being prosecuted by the guy who comes in. The um, chief of uh, the military, General Zaluzhny, had a press conference over the weekend, over Christmas weekend, and said we need, you used the number a few moments ago, We need 500,000 more troops. They've lost 500,000 troops, dead or disabled. And President Zelensky backed it up and said, by the way, we need 13 billion to feed, clothe, arm, and trade, uh, train these troops. This is fanciful. Where on earth are they going to get 500,000 people and $13 billion? Well, Judge, what's really interesting, and I've seen these, these interviews over the weekend, is that it was Alinsky that said, we need 500,000 more troops. 
Zalushni said, I didn't mention any number. Uh, we need some more troops, but I, I you know, recruiting, uh, that's going to be 500. I didn't say that. Okay. Now, there's a big battle royale going on between these Ukrainian leaders now. I said, who said what? But Zalushni right. and Zelensky were at odds on this very important issue right at, from the beginning, two, two days ago. God knows where they'll be today. But you're right, 500,000, even if they start recruiting at age, where they say, 22 now, and 17-year-olds are eligible, I don't see, see where they would get green troops that would make any difference. Putin is deliberately attriting and attriting and attriting. As you probably know, Marinka has now fallen to the Russians. It's uh, He has pretty much clean... Well, not in a clean sway to go to the Dnieper, but if he wanted to, he could. His generals probably want him to, but I think probably he's going to hold to this attrition and uh, see what brings what what the spring brings. Here we go, seeking up to yeah, you know, right, 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 right. That came out over over the Christmas um, the holiday. Do you foresee? Um, any kind of a false flag that would result in American troops being on the ground in Ukraine. I mean, we're already seeing that in um, Iraq, where American troops are present illegally and against the will of the Iraqi government. And every time they get attacked by uh, anybody, uh, the U.S. attacks somebody else uh, in Iran. Do you see the same thing happening in Ukraine so as to justify Sullivan and Blinken saying to old Joe, you got to send troops there. Uh, you'll win the war. You'll beat Putin and you'll get reelected. I think this is all crazy, but this is the way they think. Judge, I've always been very concerned uh, that that uh, nuclear power plant there in Zaporozhye was vulnerable. Now it's hardened, but it's got this great big pool of uh, contaminated uh, stuff. Okay, all all come, some kind of missile would have to hit that, and the whole area would be uh, would be affected. Now, I have a special guess here, and my guess is that when Zelensky was ordered to come to Washington, it was partly for a one-on-one -on -one with the president and with Blinken and with Sullivan. And that their message to him was, don't blow that nuclear starch, that nuclear power station. Don't blow it. We don't want any black swans. We don't want any false flags. You got that? Because we're not going to defend you if you do that. I think that the that finally it's sinking in in Washington. This guy is completely unpredictable, that he might just do that. And, of course, they have the capability of doing that. The Russians can't, can't protect from all the, the drones and other missiles that the Ukrainians could throw at that Zaporozhye nuclear power center. So that was my major concern. I don't think, I don't think that the people in the White House are so crazy as to allow that. And I think the one reason why they wanted him one-on-one -on -one with no messages or no telephones, tell him, look, we'll We'll be sure to support you, but don't try any of these black swans or, or uh, you know, false flag attacks. We're on to that. Don't do it. Got it. Ray McGovern, a pleasure, my dear friend. I know it's a short week if we have time. 
for the uh, intelligence roundtable on Friday with Larry. It's a, it's always a fan favorite and hopefully uh, you'll be available. Thank you. Okay. Uh, all the best, my friend. Thank mm -hmm. you. So even though this is a short week, uh, we have a lot of your favorites uh, coming up uh, tomorrow at 8 in the morning Eastern, Tony Schaefer at 9 in the morning Eastern, Matt Ho at 11 in the morning Eastern, Professor Jeffrey Sachs at 2 in the afternoon Eastern, Scott Horton at 3 in the afternoon Eastern, Karen Kwiatkowski at five in the afternoon, Friday Eastern, uh, the inimitable Max Blumenthal. Judge Napolitano, more as we get it, of course. There's an old one-liner. Judge Napolitano for judging freedom. <laughs>